Welcome to the Story of God podcast, where each episode helps everyday men and women see how they fit into the grand narrative of God's redemptive plan. Here's Ezra and Janelle. Is it ever right to get angry? That's what we're looking at today in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 22. Well, Jesus did, and he never sinned, so there must be some occasion for it. I heard someone say recently that this is a passage that often people use as kind of a license to get angry whenever they want to, and there's some truth to that. So when is it appropriate to get angry? That's what we're going to look at today, Matthew chapter 21. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up, saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. And Jesus entered the temple and drove out all who sold and bought in the temple. And he overturned the tables of the money changers and the seats of those who sold pigeons. He said to them, It is written, My house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. And the blind and the lame came to him in the temple, and he healed them. But when the chief priest and the scribes saw the wonderful things that he did, and the children crying out in the temple, Hosanna to the son of David, they were indignant. And they said to him, Do you hear what they are saying? And Jesus said to them, Yes. Have you never read, Out of the mouths of infants and nursing babies you have prepared praise? And leaving them, he went out of the city to Bethany and lodged there. In the morning, as he was returning to the city, he became hungry. And seeing a fig tree by the wayside, he went to it and found nothing on it but only leaves. And he said to it, May no fruit ever come from you again. And the fig tree withered at once. When the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How did the fig tree wither at once? And Jesus answered them, Truly I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, Be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. And whatever you ask in prayer, you will receive if you have faith. So when I was reading this passage, the first thing that came to mind when I was reading about Jesus coming in on the donkey and Hosanna and, you know, what we often celebrate on Palm Sunday was our daughter Zoe, because last year when we were getting into the Easter season and we were learning about Palm Sunday, this is really when she started paying attention to the Bible. I mean, we would talk about Bible stories and all of that. But this is when she really started paying attention to who Jesus was. And shortly after, a couple months later, she became a Christian, asked Jesus into her life. And so uh, this is a very special 
um, memory for me, especially when I was reading it as then they talk about the children and Jesus says it's out of the mouths of the children that praise often comes. And I love that because it's so true when I look at our daughter Zoe. So a little background here. So when Jesus, this is verse one, drew near to Jerusalem and came to Beth, uh, Bethphage, uh, the Roman road from Jerusalem, uh, for, from Jericho to Jerusalem was about 17 miles, climbed up about 3000 feet. Um, and the trip, the trip probably occurred, um, just before uh, Jesus last Passover. So the city is, there's lots of people around and, um, and now Jesus is going to point to even a further point to who he is. So we really have the people praising, praising Jesus and, um, saying Hosanna, you know, and, and worshiping him. And so you'd be shocked that just a few days later, he's hanging on a cross. And this, uh, took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophets. And so this is two prophecies that are combined into one, Isaiah 62, verse 11, and then Zechariah 9, 9. And again, kind of furthering that Jesus is establishing who he was. And so it just is a reminder, whenever Jesus performed a miracle, uh, it was there was a dual purpose. There was the result of the miracle, but then there was also the pointing to who he was. And this is happening around the Feast of Tabernacles, which is the, the Feast of Booths. And so I guess there were some uh, booths that were being built around that time. And so maybe that contributed somewhat to some of the uh, material that was laid down. I don't know. That's just a possibility. Um, and then at the end here, Jesus probably, he in verse 10, when it says, he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirring up, saying, who is this? And the crowds, they say, um, this is the prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth of Galilee. You can just imagine the uproar this is causing, especially among the religious leaders. So we have Jesus here, according to D.A. Carson, uh, probably entering through um, St. Stephen's Gate near the north entrance to the elder court of the temple. And as he enters, uh, this again causes a further uproar. And this is where we see Jesus as he goes into the temple, see, seeing all of these people buying and selling um, and really uh, taking advantage of those who are coming to worship um, God. And Jesus gets very, very angry. So one of the big problems here that they're facing is that Jesus, so Jesus comes, says he enters the temple and drove out all of the, who sold and bought in the temple and he overturned the tables, the money changers. And so there's, there's kind of dual pro problems going on here. People would sell money in the temple and then the temple would receive a tax in addition to this. And so you have, and again, some people might say, well, why didn't they stop Jesus? Why didn't they arrest him on the spot? But I guess two things. Number one, Jesus was considered a prophet in that time. So you have in history, different prophets, such as Jeremiah smashing clay pots. You have stories of this happening. And the second thing is that Jesus had a tremendous following at this point. And so this is what had held the religious leaders back from acting in the past. So what do we see? You know, we, I'm just noticing, you know, we always assume that Jesus was really angry here, but it never even really talks about him. Um, I mean, his actions would seem to show anger, overturning, ta <laughs> overturning tables. Um, and then, you know, his words are hard, you know, you're making this a den of robbers. Um, but, you know, our question was, 
is it ever okay to be angry basically? And what situations would you say it is okay to be angry in? Yeah, I think so many people always point to this passage. Well, Jesus got angry here, so I'm justified in my anger. And I would say it feels like 98% of those times they're not actually justified. It's just that they, um, you know, they, they see Jesus anger and kind of, uh, push it to their position and say, Hey, I can, I can do the same thing. I have here in my notes, the religious leaders are treating the temple as robbers and do their dens, a place of refuge for both accumulating illicitly gained wealth and for plotting future illegal activities from uh, Michael Wilkins. So that's why Jesus is so angry here. There, there's the um, what they're doing in and of itself, but then it's it's they are taking the law into their own hands. And into this, he comes and he says, "My house shall be called a house of prayer." I think another point talking about anger is that. Anger is an emotion as well. And so, um, you know, the Bible also says, be angry and sin not. And so even if anger comes upon us, it's sometimes what we do with that anger. And so, um, you know, do we throw things? Do we? I mean, Jesus overturned tables here, but he was also proving a righteous point and, you know, trying to show people this is not right. And so I think a even in our anger, allowing the Holy Spirit to guide us in it. Maybe we get angry about a car pulling it in front of us. You know, that's probably not something we need to react on and prove a point. You know, that's not a righteous indignation. That's something we just need to let pass and not uh, allow that to to take hold in even that moment of the day. Um, but I think this is something where we need to allow the Holy Spirit to speak to us in each moment that we feel angry as well. And I think just a big distinction in my mind is who am I, why am I angry? Am I angry because someone did something wrong to me? So am I the point of interest here? Or am I angry for God's sake? Is it a righteous anger, in other words? Am I angry because um, one of God's uh, creatures who was created in his image is being taken advantage of? So a righteous anger, or am I angry because my ego was hurt? And a lot of times I would say the majority of the vast majority of the times our anger arises from the wrong motivation. And so I think when anger rises in the right way, it's, it's a sense of um, caring for others, loving others and out of our love for God. So what do we do when we're angry? My sister-in-law and I had a very interesting conversation last fall about this because we were talking about what do we do with angry children? You know, do we let them um, break stuff? Do we let them, you know, have like uh, these plates that we just go let them break, that they're specific breaking plates? You know, do we, how do we let them get rid of their anger? And um, one thing she said that really stuck with me was turn it into something beautiful instead, you know, and I also had a friend who was talking about working through different emotions and um, sometimes to work through an emotion, you have to get to the opposite emotion and the opposite emotion of anger is laughter. And so just a couple things to think about um, if you are someone who struggles with anger, um, you know, maybe find a healthy way to um, laugh through the situation and get to that opposite emotion to really release your anger 
and, um, you know, obviously pray, <laughs> memorize scriptures that will help you in that moment. Um, and also turn your anger into something beautiful. So instead of just, um, being angry and being angry, you know, sometimes when I'm angry, I go and play the piano and it starts a little heavy handed, <laughs> but then it, it gradually turns into something that's beautiful and that I can worship God through. Be angry and sin not, huh? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I hope that wherever you're at today, that if you're at a place of where you're really struggling with anger, go back to the story of God. Ask yourself, okay, where am I at in God's grand story? Maybe write down a list of those things that you know to be true about who you are. And then ask, okay, this thing that I'm angry about, is it because I feel wronged personally or uh, because the God who I serve, the God who I love, um, his reputation or one of his creatures is coming under attack. And by asking these questions, go ahead and put your faith into action. Thank you for listening to the Story of God podcast. For more info on this program or to access other resources that will help you turn Sunday belief into Monday action, please visit themondaychristian.com. That's themondaychristian.com.